You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back in to the Lions podcast we are back in our happy valley headquarters after a fantastic week out in los angeles uh for the for the rose bowl which was just a phenomenal effort by penn state we had talked about it leading up to the matchup what kind of a performance would we see after a, a lackluster display in the outback bowl last season and the way they worked their way toward that completely different december and ultimately a 35 21 victory for the nittany lions over the Pac-12 champion, uh, Utah Utes. 11-2 uh, finish. We covered a lot of ground on our earlier episode of the podcast this week, putting a recap and putting a bow on the Rose Bowl. Uh, about an hour of conversation for that one. We turned our attention toward 2023 about how this was a springboard of sorts. So circle back. That episode dropped on Tuesday morning uh, from Lions 24-7 podcast. This time around, we're going to take a chance, come up for some air, we're back on the East, and we have some things to catch up on in the transfer portal, the recruiting trail, and who better to do that with than our very own Tyler Calvaruzzo. Uh, Tyler, you were holding it down with some basketball coverage as well, but we were out and concentrating on football at the Rose Bowl. Appreciate everything you were able to do, including keeping tabs on the transfer portal, which is really heating up right now for Penn State. Yep, I was definitely kept busy. It was always a good thing, so we got a lot to get into today. Yeah, I'd say you missed uh, the the beautiful sunshine and out there, but there was very little of it. Uh, of course, we missed you. Uh, hopefully, maybe get you out to a bowl game one of these days, but uh, you did a stellar job. And, and let's start with the first news that surfaced. In fact, while I was on the plane uh, out west was uh, Storm Duck uh, announcing that he will be uh, committing to Penn State arriving here in January. You've confirmed that both of these additions in, are coming in January. And we're starting with a defensive back who played a lot of football for North Carolina when healthy. Yeah, we're talking about a player who would probably be getting ready for the NFL draft had he, had he stayed healthy throughout his career at North Carolina. I think that's the kind of talent that Storm Duck has. He's a fit in Penn State's secondary in multiple ways. So he's around six foot, 200 pounds, really long, so he's good in coverage, uses his length to his advantage. And arguably, I would say the most impressive thing with Storm Duck is in run support, if you watch his tape, he hits like a safety. He's one of the tough, tougher DBs coming out of the ACC last season. So I think Penn State is really going to love to add that to its secondary. A guy who can cover and a guy who's got absolutely no issue coming up to the line of scrimmage and making tackles, stopping the run. That's a big deal. He's a culture fit in that regard. And off the field, he was very well respected at North Carolina. I think that'll carry over to the Penn State locker room. Very quality get for the Nittany Lions. He's, you know, replacing Joey Porter Jr., not easy, nearly impossible. I mean, we're talking about 
one of the better cornerbacks in program history, right? But Storm Duck, if he could stay healthy, he might not produce necessarily at Porter Jr.'s level, but he's going to contribute a similar impact. He, he, he could be that good in coverage when he's healthy and he's on his game. So expect to see a lot of him on the outside next season. It's January 5th. The transfer portal postseason window opened exactly one month ago. From day one, we saw Penn State prioritize the cornerback position. There's been a bunch of names out there. A common theme, of course, along the way, Tyler, was that a lot of these guys were down to one year of eligibility, had played a lot of Power 5 football. From what you've gathered, why was this ultimately the right fit for Penn State? Because there were four, five, six names out there that we've, we've kind of discussed. Yeah, there have been a lot of names that we tossed around. Now, ironically, Duck wasn't really one of them. You know, his future was kind of up in the air. There wasn't really a lot of buzz surrounding his recruitment, but nonetheless, he lands at Penn State. I just think from a skill set perspective, I think Duck has things that Terry Smith can work with and develop and really solidify Duck's place as an NFL cornerback, a guy who could get drafted next year, a year of his tutelage. I mean, we've seen it time and time again what Terry Smith could do with some of these guys. And Doc has already produced at a high enough level. I mean, he was an all-ACC selection, second-team all-ACC selection this past season. So this he's legit. He's a proven contributor, right? There's no real roll of the dice here. I mean, there is in the injury sense, but when it comes to skill and talent and just what he has shown on tape when he's on the field, it's he's legit. And the thing is, you know, 2019 and 2020 when he was dealing with the injuries – it wasn't necessarily anything catastrophic that he was dealing with. It was just a lot of nagging things that tended to pile up and really hindered him and ultimately kept him off the field. So if he can avoid those things, I think Penn State is pretty confident that he can because I don't think you take a player if you're worried that worried about his injury history, right? Because especially a one-year player, there's not much time to you know work around those injuries. You really you get him for that one year, whatever happens, happens. So... I feel Penn State felt comfortable with the medicals, you know, everything that came along with that. They definitely felt comfortable with the player based on what they've seen on tape. So that combined with just what we touched on before about how he was respected at North Carolina, and he's a really, really tough football player. Penn State felt that he could be a guy who comes into that room and thrives on the field and in the locker room as well as a leader. Storm Duck, a fantastic name, which we've covered already on the podcast, but out of Boiling Springs High School in South Carolina, he's a guy that's from that 2019 recruiting class that has meant so much to this cornerback room at Penn State. We had Keaton Ellis initially part of that group. He ends up as a starting safety for you. Joey Porter Jr. looks like he'll be the first first round pick at cornerback out of Penn State. Marquise Wilson has played a ton of football, so has Daquan Hardy. They were all 2019 cornerbacks. Here comes another in Storm Duck to add reinforcements. And, and Tyler, I was speaking with uh, with defensive coordinator Manny Diaz ahead of the Rose Bowl uh, out in Los Angeles. And the question I posed to him, because we can't I can't ask directly about Storm Duck. He hasn't signed with the program, hasn't joined the program. But I phrased it and said, if you were to prioritize adding a veteran cornerback to the roster this offseason, what would be the emphasis for doing so? Why would you be motivated to do that? And, of course, he says they feel like they were able to accomplish a lot of their high points defensively this year because of their play at cornerback and their ability to trust guys on an island. And, and we, we've seen what Kaylin King can do. I think the nation is starting to understand what the rising junior is going to be all about in 2023. Joey Porter Jr. had tremendous respect from everybody. Uh, I think Purdue week one was really the only team that went after him. Everybody else stayed away uh, this season. Uh, and, and so I, I think you look at, at this unit, Johnny Dixon, what he's been able to accomplish in year two out of South Carolina. He's a guy that I think can really build his NFL draft stock with another year at Penn State. And quite frankly, he may already be in a position to consider making that jump. So, Tyler, I, I look around this room and, and I see, you know, I don't see a need for a starter 
but I see a need for uh, uh, reinforcements. You got Cam Miller, a freshman. You've got some really talented uh, freshmen uh, coming in with Zion Tracy, uh, Elliot Washington. I think we both believe Washington could be a, a contributing factor as a true freshman. Uh, but this guy, Storm Duck, it makes you feel really good uh, just because invariably you will have a guy get hurt in spring ball or a guy get hurt in August or a guy get hurt in the first play of the first game. They had really good health here for the most part. They had appendicitis flare up uh, for Joey Porter Jr. And they were able to recover and, and get down to the tail end and play really well against a, a, a strong quarterback in Utah. So you look at the way they were able to weather some of those storms. I think you have every motivating circumstance if you're Terry Smith and if you're Manny Diaz to ensure that you're in a good spot, not just in those starting two or even the top three cornerbacks you're working with, but when you got to go five, six deep over the course of your schedule. And uh, Storm Duck's going to get here in January, so we'll have a real chance to exit spring ball as one of those guys. But let's face it, he's got his work cut out for him because this is a highly competitive room. We have some 2023 20, decisions to come. Dixon, Marquise Wilson, both those guys technically are seniors, but have that COVID eligibility. Uh, but I really like this pickup, and, and it's not necessarily a sense of urgency pickup, but that's what you'll find at wide receiver because uh, that is where you say they need starters. Uh, they need guys who can go out, run a bunch of routes in 2023, and that's where the second commitment came from while we were out in Los Angeles. Yeah, Devin Carter from NC State. So we talked a lot this offseason about Penn State's desire to get more explosive at wide receiver. And Taylor Stubblefield kind of touched on that during the early signing period, talking about how they wanted to go out, get a couple guys in the portal, get more explosive at the position, just become an overall deeper room, you know, become a little bit more diverse of a room. And I think he might have had Carter in mind when he was saying that, because Carter brings a little something different to Penn State's wide receiver. And we're talking about a guy who's six foot four, 210, really physical downfield. I've talked about it a little bit when his name first popped up as a guy that I really liked as a fit at Penn State, because I think you throw him on the outside. And we talked about this with Storm Duck just a few seconds ago, a guy who was produced in the ACC and has proven that when he's healthy and when he's on his game, he's going to make opponents pay. He's going to make plays and he's going to get the job done. You put him on the outside, you give Drew Aller a guy who could just go downfield, you throw him a jump ball, he'll hot point it and win more often than not. I don't think you can really put a price on that and the impact that it will have on the Penn State offense next season. You know, there's a lot of speed on that unit. Yeah, sure. But now you got the big body on the outside who Mike Yerchish, I'm sure, is looking forward to using in a lot of different ways. I know sometimes at NC State, you know, Carter had some issues with drops and such, but he kind of rectified that towards the end of his career with the Wolfpack. Battled injuries in his final season with the program, but came back at the end of the year, had a really strong showing against, granted, a poor North Carolina defense, but... Still, he got out there and got the job done after missing almost a month due to injury. Not a lot of rust there from him. And I think that game kind of showed the player that he could be as a vertical threat. So another addition that Penn State is really happy with. And a guy who I think, as long as he stays healthy, I think you're going to see some legitimate production out of him next season. I'm glad you mentioned the size that he's going to add to the room because when you review this 2022 roster at wide receiver, the only guy who's over six foot two in the receiver room is Malik Mega. And to this point in his career, which is three years into to, to his time at Penn State, he has been a special teams factor more than an offensive factor. And I don't know if that's going to change next year. Um, so you're bringing in a guy here, as you said, the size, proven commodity, you know, nearly 2,000 receiving yards. Granted, it took him about 50 college games to get there. He's not, he doesn't have a, a ton of 100-yard games that he's racking up. 
but you've got a guy who who has 2,000 yards receiving at the Power 5 football level in his career and brings that kind of size. Um, there's a lot to like about that. And I know one thing that Taylor Stubblefield, and, and speaking with Mitchell Tinsley, in fact, who, who had his own one-and-done experience as a senior transfer, and that's what's shaping up for Carter here in 2023 in State College, you know, Tinsley had to kind of check his ego and his – maybe production ambitions at the door when he got to Penn State, coming from an offense that really threw the ball around as much as anybody last year in college football. And I know NC State certainly wasn't throwing the ball 70 times per game, but they had a hell of a quarterback in Devin Leary the last couple of years, a highly respected player right now who's looking for his home in the transfer portal. Yep. Uh, and, and I'd imagine that Carter, you know, I think the expectation you set is that he comes in and that he's one of your top three or four receivers. Uh, when you get a guy in this situation, you're not looking at a developmental spot. You're not saying uh, let's work him in and, and hopefully he can be a contributing factor for us come October. He's getting here in January, as you've confirmed. He's going to get a lot of spring work with this new quarter, new look quarterback room and, and guys who are getting their reps. And in a lot of ways, it's going to be interesting because you've had Sean Clifford gobble up so many first team reps on the practice field. And of course, Drew Aller and Pope Pupula are getting a lot of run here late in the season after Christian Veyer transferred out. But you're going to see them running the offensive show, getting acclimated with new receivers. And in some ways here, it's up for grabs at receiver because if you can be the guy who builds that chemistry, builds that rapport with the new starting quarterback, and you're the guy concentrating on working with him off the field, away from team facilities, putting yourself in a good spot when March arrives, when April closes, and eventually when August picks back up, I think it's going to be really fun to follow this. And the fact that Carter gets to campus in January is really, really important for a room that loses leadership in the form of Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. And just you look around and you say, what have you done in a college game? What have you done in a college game? There's a lot of potential there, but there's just not a lot of proven variables. There's not. And whether or not Carter wins, you know, whether he starts 11, 12, 13, whatever the number is, you know, whether he's a rotational piece, the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter because when you can add a player to your to your wide receiver rotation who just brings something so different to the table, it opens up the playbook. It opens up what a young quarterback can accomplish. It, it just raises the ceiling of the entire offense. And I think that was kind of on Penn State's mind as it went after Carter. There've been involved. There's been involvement with a lot of big-bodied receivers, but there's a reason that Carter was at the top of that list. They felt the most comfortable with him given what he has done against some high-level cornerbacks in the ACC. Ironically, Storm Duck being one of them, but, and just, he's a quality player. You're bringing a quality player to the big 10 for his final season in college football. It's a good fit. Another good fit. James Franklin always talks about fit. Hey, look, we're seeing it with these two transfer additions right here. That'll be fun to, to when we get these guys in, in an interview setting and, and get to know them a little bit better uh, with Storm Duck and, and with uh, with Carter, bringing up some of their past history, uh, going back and forth against each other in the same conference. That, that'll be a fun storyline. State rivals, sure. too. That's right. Um, so they'll be teammates in 2023, but of course, the work is not done yet nope. for Penn State. You've got these two additions. They're going to be on campus really within a week or so, based on all understanding. And all of a sudden, the, the new look Lindy Lions roll on and the Rose Bowls further in the rear view mirror but what else are we looking at at wide receiver i mean we've got to go with the name that, that's been the headliner for the last few weeks on that target board with dante cephas uh, out of kent state a bunch of power five playoff contending kind of programs have been sniffing around have extended offers and yet here we are start of january no resolution and uh and it's tough to find one in the moment it seems i don't think we're gonna have one anytime soon either i had a conversation regarding Cephas about maybe an hour ago. And it looks like it's getting to the point where the likely outcome 
is him heading back to Kent State. And here's why. He still has work to do when it comes to credits and being able to transfer and be eligible somewhere else. So it's seeming like a likely course of action could be him going back to Kent State, getting enough credits to graduate Kent State, and then hitting the portal later on again. And if that does happen, you're going to see the same players. I would say it's kind of a dangerous game. I mean, not, it's not one he really wants to be playing. That's kind of just the reality. Oh, of course of not. Yeah, yeah no. It, that's not the reality of the situation. It just kind of is what it is. But if he reenters the portal in the spring, if, if that's what he ultimately decides that he needs to do for his future, he's going to have to cease contact with the coaches he's been talking to since he's been in the portal. He'll have to resume that in the spring. And then once the spring rolls around, what are the numbers games looking like for these programs? Penn State, Pittsburgh, UCLA, all the schools that have been involved with Cephas, do they still have a spot for them? That's just something we're going to have to see. It's a, it's a unique situation, I would say. And, you know, we talk about the, the, the whole transfer portal era being in a brave new world for us. So this is definitely a unique situation. I don't think we've ever really seen anything like this regarding a guy who's been in the portal, might have to go back to school to put himself in the best position, and then hit the portal again. So we'll be keeping a close eye on Cephas as we have been for almost almost two months now. Feels like two months at least. It might be just a month, but still, regardless of the timeline, there's been a lot of movement here. Kind of, you know, kind of died down for a little bit, but it's there's more buzz coming out of that now. So we're just gonna have to see what happens and what his timeline actually winds up being. Pretty fascinating stuff, and and, and certainly no one would have anticipated if he ends up spending a, a spring semester back at Kent State. Um, but as you said, it's a brave new world. We've seen guys circle back to their programs, but oftentimes that's at the Power Five level. Yeah. And, and so when we look ahead here a little bit, and, and you know, we'll see what it looks like with Cephas. We'll continue to keep tabs on him. I'd imagine that whenever he is able to make this move, whether it's now or down the road a little bit, he'll have plenty of suitors oh, He's yeah. inside the top ten in 24-7 sports uh, transfer rankings right now. And just a reminder out there, uh, Chop Robinson uh, he didn't even put his name in the transfer portal last year until March uh, and exactly ultimately so. joined, joined the program in the summer. So not everybody's climbing into the portal right after the regular season, right after bowl season. Got to have some patience. And sometimes there are extend, extending circumstances that are beyond the football field uh, that we don't always know. But we appreciate the reporting from you, Tyler, and we'll, we'll keep track on that. Um, other wide receivers here. Romello uh, Brinson, uh, former Miami player. He's got a connection with Manny Diaz. I remember his name popping up on, on Penn State's target board a few years back. Um, and this is a guy who has quickly reciprocated that interest. Yeah, you know, his obviously goes without saying his high school recruitment was before my time from a Penn State perspective. But Florida kid from Miami Northwestern. I know I do recall Penn State just reading about Princeton's recruitment back in the day, going through ever since he hit the portal, that Penn State was interested. But, you know, Florida kid, get him to campus. He winds up staying home, commits to Miami to play for Manny Diaz, and now he's looking for a new home. And could he reunite with Diaz in Happy Valley? Seems entirely possible. Started the official visit on Wednesday. Where it is, that's gone pretty well. So I think that relationship combined with – Penn State's just as – we just talked about Carter being a bigger guy. Brinson's by no means small, but he's more of the electric variety, right? He's not really the big vertical threat that Carter is. He's more – you get him the ball. He could beat you over the top with his speed for sure, no doubt, but you get him the ball you know, over the middle. Let him go make some plays. He's got some soft hands, some good route running ability. Penn State likes that about him. So another kind of wait-and-see game now, depending on how that official visit plays out. I believe he's still going to take other visits as well. I don't think he's necessarily in a rush to wrap mm -hmm. this up. 
But right now, Penn State, between the relationships and just the overall fit in the offense, I think it's a pretty solid spot the Nittany Lions are in. But again, we'll see. I think it's fair to categorize this as a different uh, wide receiver target right now for yes. them in the transfer yes. portal because he is a 2021 recruit. He's been at the college level for two years. So whoever lands him next, you're, you're basically looking at a significant chunk of his college career available to you uh, to mold him, to build him, to work him into your offensive plans. Uh, this year, seven catches, 99 yards, uh, no scores. So uh, this is more of a, of a speculative pickup, I suppose you could put it that way, versus a someone who would be seemingly plug and play based on their Power 5 experience. Sorting through some of these names, there's other guys of that variety. Um, and, and I wanted to go to Marquise Montgomery, who's a junior college player, you know, caught somewhere in between high school and, and his path to the Power 5. Uh, high school ball out in Hawaii, plays junior college at, at Snow College, and now uh, teams are kind of clamoring around this kid. Yeah, caught up with Montgomery a little bit earlier today. He had, Originally, when I talked to him last week, he was looking to maybe visit Penn State this week. I'm not really sure that's going to happen at this point. He told me he hasn't heard from the Penn State staff about that visit coming together. So I'll be in touch with him moving forward. You know, that's another situation we'll be keeping really close tabs on. But as of right now, it does not look like he'll be making it to campus this weekend. Um, a couple more names here at the wide receiver position as we were going through it before the podcast. It's just a, a deep list right now. Um, and, and a guy that turned some heads with a new offer out of Bowling Green from Penn State, Tyrone Bradone. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that last name correctly. I apologize. It sounds cool. Six foot seven wide receiver target. 32 catches, 506 yards, seven touchdowns this past season. And usually those kinds of numbers don't get ingrained in my head, but when we're talking about a six, seven wide receiver with that kind of catch radius. And you, if you go on Google images and look at some of the pictures of him making one handed grabs and stuff like that, it's kind of a hard name to forget. And his numbers are pretty hard to forget too, for me. I really like him. We, we just talked about Carter being a big body threat. I mean, geez, man, bro. that's next level at six foot seven. That, that's a completely different ball game. You line those two guys up on the outside. Best of luck to those smaller DBs. They, they might have a tough day. But, no, he's he's looking to make it to Penn State this weekend. That visit is in the works. We're going to see if he gets finalized. That's been the word since yesterday. So there seems to be some mutual interest there pretty early with that offer going out. One more name in the transfer portal for now. There might be another one. That pops up at wide receiver by the time we finish recording here at TC. But uh, Jamari Thrash out of Georgia State paying a visit to Auburn. And Penn State also on his radar. Penn State really just jumped in yesterday, so that's a new name, new fresh name. They seem to be popping up every day, and Thresh is the latest. Really, really productive player at Georgia State. 61 catches this past season. Pretty good, pretty, pretty good receiver if you go watch his film. Another guy who could do a lot of different things for you. He's a good route runner, good hands. He's got the vertical ability. He showed it throughout his career at Georgia State. Just over 100 career catches in a few years with the program, over 1,000 receiving yards, healthy amount of touchdowns. Intriguing name. Now, I'm not sure he necessarily jumps to the top of the board with this offer coming in, you know, with some guys who have already visited. But if he gets to campus, what do we always say? Completely different ballgame. Get got to Penn State. It's a pretty clear indication of where the staff likes a guy. So we'll see if Thresh makes it to Happy Valley. If he does, I think I have a feeling we'll be talking about him a lot more because he's a pretty damn good player. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We just covered, uh, I don't know, half dozen guys who have experience at the college level, junior college, all the way up to, to Power Five, um, a couple years, all the way up to four years. When you review this group, and I have my own opinion on it, but I want to hear yours first. Do you see a guy who could come in and be wide receiver one? for Penn State. Keandre Lambert-Smith's the internal candidate to be that guy. He finished the season on a high note, but he's got a lot to prove till anybody's putting all their eggs in that basket. A lot of young talent around him. Harrison Wallace did some things. Liam Clifford did some things. A bunch of freshman eligible players. They need some kind of wide receiver one. It's not an easy thing to just go say, hey, I want this. I'm going to get it. Everybody would love a lot of things in the transfer portal. When you review this list, do you see someone with that potential? Cephas, but... Like I said, you know, with all the moving parts there, will it happen? Because his when he visited, Penn State's pitch to him was pretty much, hey, look, you could come in and be our top guy. You could be our mm-hmm. wide receiver one. You could be on the receiving end of the bulk of Jarrell's targets. That was legitimately the pitch to him. So Penn State sees that ability, and who am I to argue with what that staff sees? I mean, <laughs> their talent evaluating abilities are pretty clearly proven at this point. So if they're pitching him as a number one, it's hard to argue against him in being a potential number one target at a power five school. And that's not really a knock on the other guys per se, right? It takes a lot to be a number one wide receiver. You have to deal with a lot of different things to earn wide receiver one status. You got to be able to handle another team's top corner week in and week out and produce at a high level. Can Brinson be that player with a little bit of development? Maybe. Can our guy from Bowling Green be that guy? You don't know because he's a Mac player. How's he going to adjust to the Big Ten? Things of that nature. Yeah. And Thresh, another thing, you know, another group of five player who, yes, he was a wide receiver one at his respective school. And so was Mitch Tinsley at Western Kentucky before he came to Penn State. But how does he translate? Not everyone's Mitch Tinsley, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's a game you got to play. But if there was one who really stands out to me, I'd have to say Cephas. I think we've seen it from him the most. He's gotten the job done at Kent State against Power 5 opponents in non-conference play, so really hard to argue against that name as my pick. Yeah, the dude has a 1,200-yard season on his resume. and and, he catches, yeah. Yeah, so I'm with you there. I think that Cephas is the one that you can say, even without seeing him on the practice field, without seeing him interact with the team, where – Looks like he could slot in as that top receiver target for you. The other guys, I mean, we probably have to recalibrate what we're thinking about with wide receiver one for Penn State because in the last couple of years, not including 2022, when this offense was really searching for an identity, wide receiver one meant Jahan Dotson going up with gaudy numbers, working his way toward first-round status in the NFL draft. 
this year, wide receiver one was a very different outlook because you've had a, a bounce back season from your tight end room where three guys are getting fed. Two of them are starting and playing a bunch of football. You've got two freshman running backs combining for about 2,000 rushing yards, 25 total touchdowns. You look at the stats from last season and the year before that on the ground, pales in comparison. Not even You wouldn't think you're covering the same program. So naturally, those wide receiver numbers drop, and Mitchell Tinsley uh, you know, discussed that out in the bowl game and, and, and going from a, a pass-happy offense where he was fed all time to where, hey, Sean Clifford's looking in his direction. There are key moments, uh, third-down pickups, a touchdown in the Rose Bowl. Um, I, I just think we also have to say you're not necessarily looking for a receiver to come in and put up 1,200 yards, yes. 75 catches, and, and 10 touchdowns for you because the way this offense finished the year – I don't think that's necessarily what you need. Sure, if you get a guy over a thousand yards receiving, that means he did something right in the offensive attack. But but right now, um, I, I think it's also maybe a spot where if a wide receiver one kind of candidate looks at the stat sheet from this year, they may have a, a moment of hesitancy because you don't know what guys are prioritizing. Are they prioritizing being a missing piece for a championship team, or are they prioritizing you know being a Bolitnikoff Award winner and catching a ton of passes? And been putting their name in the NFL uh, draft with that kind of a season behind them. So a lot to work our way through, Tyler. You've done a great job with the wide receiver group because it changes so much. The last guy we got to finish with here is from the high school level, and of course that's where Penn State has their one commitment uh, or one signee in this class uh, from wide receiver is the high school product uh, in Carmelo Taylor out of Virginia. Hill won't be on campus until the summer, projecting it as a smaller statured speed receiver threat. So when we talk about the size, that's a nice counterbalance there. Let's finish the conversation with the latest 2023 high school target, Derek English. And whenever anybody's getting offered by Penn State after the early signing period, you've got to focus on that offer because it means something to this staff. And uh, he's a guy at a Saguaro high school down in Arizona. And I think we both remember Christian Kirk being an absolute baller down there at the wide receiver spot. So, Rashad, it's funny you mentioned about an offer going out this late in the cycle and the importance of that. Rashad Rich told English when he offered him, we normally don't issue these kinds of offers this late in the cycle for a high school kid, but we're liking what we see out of you. And I can understand why. English is – he has a very interesting story, man. So, he was a top 24-7 prospect as a sophomore. He was a top I – mean, he wasn't just a top 24-7 guy. He was a top 150 guy. Then he transfers high schools as a junior – has to sit out his first five games per Arizona transfer rules. Winds up tearing his ACL in his first game of his junior year. Misses a bulk, miss, obviously misses the rest of the season. Comes back for his senior year, hoping to, you know, kind of reclaim his spot to being one of the better wide receiver prospects on the West Coast. And it's another year where he doesn't suffer the major injury like the ACL, but he's dealing with a lot of nagging injuries that caused him to miss some games. And really, if you look at his high school tape as an upperclassman, he only has seven games under his belt, which is a real shame because it has prevented schools from evaluating him. It has prevented him from getting the camps. It has prevented him from putting up verified testing numbers, and that has definitely hurt his recruitment. And the transfer portal has also kind of hindered his process as well. He was telling me when we spoke that he was talking to Power 5 programs, but they wound up filling up through the portal. And he's kind of, you know, in a, he's, he's in a tough spot right now. And he's very happy that Penn State came calling. And I think that's regardless of circumstance. He seems to be really high on the nitty lines. Told me he wants to make it to campus as soon as possible. Now, with a lot of moving pieces at wide receiver, will that visit come to fruition? We'll have to see who winds up being a take, who doesn't wind up being a take, who wants to play at Penn State and who doesn't among the transfers. But from what I've heard, the, the, this can wind up as a completely separate pursuit. 
compared to the transfer portal situations because we talked about Romelu Brinson being a guy you could come in and develop for a few years. I mean, English would have full eligibility. So there's a difference between going out and getting a vet and there's guys like English, late in the cycle, late bloomers, full eligibility. You get them from day one, you develop them. And English has traits. I know the film's not really there, but he has the traits of a power five receiver. Like there's a reason that we had him so highly rated as an underclassman. He's six foot. He's grown into a six foot four frame. He's 210 pounds. He's a physical player. Another guy who could really go up and get it at a high level, just not a lot of tape to back up that line of thinking. And Penn State being willing to take the chance this late in the cycle, I can think it speaks to the staff trusting in its evaluation. I know there's been a lot of talk about, oh, well, Penn State hasn't gotten this guy out of the portal. You know, Caden Prather just went to Maryland. Guys like, you know, they didn't get this guy. They didn't get that guy. So now we're offering someone like English. No, that's not the case. The fact of the matter is the staff likes this guy, regardless of who they've gotten out of the portal. Granted, there would be less spots if they were filled up at wide receiver, but English is liked and he's highly regarded by the staff. Again, not the most known commodity right now, but a commodity who could probably come in and contribute. He's gonna, I'll tell you the one thing, man. He's gonna have a chip on his shoulder wherever he lands. He wants to prove to people that, like, just because I missed a couple years, I still got it. I'm still a baller and I can produce at this level and I'm gonna go show you. That's the kind of mindset he has. So I really like him. And regardless of whether or not it's Penn State for him, I'm going to be very interested to see how his college career plays out. You always got to kind of root for a guy like that. Yeah, a couple of the, I guess not necessarily recent with Daquan Hardy, but Daquan Hardy got the offer very late in the process in the winter of, of leading up to his signing day. He's played a ton of football for Penn State. Vega Ioane is a guy I've referenced here in the past. Um, you know, really an ascending figure for Penn State in the offensive interior. Uh, he was he was an opportunity to, to visit cross country last January. He ends up signing, leaving his home in Washington State. So it has happened. Uh, you know, this, this obviously you've got to work through some of the logistics here, which is playing catch up with a guy who lives in Arizona. They're not the easiest process to do. There's, it requires some trust on both sides, particularly when Penn State staff is is you know giving the green light to themselves, it sounds like, uh, to at least put out that offer and explore a, a player who hasn't done much on the football field the last couple of seasons. So really a compelling offer. Uh, I'm going to be curious to see how it develops with English. And at this stage, we've got Carter now on board for 2023 as a transfer. Mention the fact that you've got Carmelo Taylor uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. He'll show up in the summer. What is the size of this wide receiver class when the dust settles? Uh, do we think it's three? Do we think it's four? How many more additions? I could see really anywhere between one and two. And mm -hmm. entering this offseason, it kind of seemed like Penn State could just, you know, take two guys out of the portal and kind of call it a day at three. But I think with the English offer going out, and I, I do think that some of these more recent wide receiver offers through the portal, I think the staff is open to adding a third guy if it could find the right fit. I don't think the door is shut on that possibility. It's been kicked around, it seems. So I would say three to four. I'm leaning three. That, that, that would be my guess right now. That's just kind of more of a gut feeling than anything else. But I wouldn't be shocked if four happens. Again, if the staff likes a guy and they have a spot for him, why not roll the dice? Wide receiver is a position Penn State not only wants to get more talented at and more explosive at, they want to get deeper at. They want that quality depth. They want to compete for a national title. And the best teams in the country have depth that, you know, in the event of a rash of injuries, you can run guys out there who could they could go play at all those other schools that you're competing with. There's no drop-off in talent. There's no concern about can this guy handle the responsibilities of having ample passes thrown his way in a game in a big spot. 
the better the depth, the better off you are as a program. And I think Penn State's going for that right now. That could open the door to four potentially. But if I had to pick, I would say three. I'm glad you brought up the depth because it's so vital in the defensive line oh, on yeah. an annual basis. P.J. Mustafer has been a stalwart for the program. He's moving off to the NFL uh, after the Rose Bowl. Uh, and then, you know, the other news that surfaced here before we sat down and did the podcast, and I'm amazed it took this long, like 70 hours after the Rose Bowl kicked off, it, uh, we didn't get our first roster move until just now. Uh, it's Fatoma Moba, defensive tackle, redshirt sophomore, uh, played – uh, involved as a reserve, uh, involved on special teams, a guy that threw three seasons on campus, decided he wants to check out other options. So he'll move on. Not a guy that we were projecting as a big piece in 2023, but certainly a depth piece. And that's an area, the defensive interior that Penn State remains focused on. Talk us through what's gone on, because there's been a miss. Uh, there's been a top list. And then there's another name to know. So let's start with the miss. Yeah, so Quintero, Jameson, Travis – from junior college ranked Iowa, Iowa Western, just won a national title. So shout out to him for that. Won a national title, wound up signing with Auburn. He was a guy at Penn State really liked to replace P.J. Mustafer on the interior. But you win some, you lose some. And now Penn State's really back on the trail again. Devon Sears is a guy they really like. Texas State transfer. They're hoping to get him on campus this weekend for a visit. He's a priority top prospect. Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest, a guy he's been uberly productive for the Demon Deacons veteran he's looking to make it to campus this weekend. So they lost one, but they've, they've got their eye on a couple quality ones right now. Uh, and, and you mentioned the Wake Forest commit, uh, yeah. tr a transfer, I should say, and Rondell Bothroyd, uh, a guy more monitoring for transfer positions. Is there is this the spot on the field we're focused in now? We, I mean, clearly we're focused on wide receiver. If anyone's been listening to this episode, they're aware of that. Uh, does it feel like if there's another spot that we got to, you know, just keep, you know, keep locked in on, is it that interior defensive line? I would say so, because, again, we talk about depth of wide receiver. I, I would say depth in the trenches is even more important, just the assortment of bodies you have to go through throughout the course of a season. And, you know, injuries always tend to pile up, and the better players you have on the defensive line and on the offensive line, likewise, the better off you are and the more likely, you're to, you're, the more likely you are to hang on throughout the course of a season. So these two guys, they're definitely important, important names, especially Sears, I would say. It seems like Sears is at the top of the board. He's coming off a visit to Oklahoma that went really well. But if he makes it out to Penn State, I think there's a pretty good chance there for the Nittany Lions. You said Oklahoma, Tennessee, Penn State there for Sears. Uh, across the trenches here, Tyler, I wanted to finish up uh, in terms of targets with Chimdi Ono, uh, a guy out of Maryland, four-star prospect. Uh, Brian Doan has a story up here on Thursday afternoon about his final four. It's Rutgers, Penn State, Michigan State out of the Big Ten alongside Ole Miss. Uh, formerly committed to Old Dominion, uh, decommitted prior to that early signing period, made an official visit to Rutgers wasn't enough for him to sign with them back in December. And now here he is. He's got an opportunity to, to, to make the rounds. He's expected here at Penn State this month. Um, just quickly, what do you make of the process with Chimdi? Uh, because James Franklin pointed to the offensive tackle position on signing day as one of those remaining spots they would like to address between now and when they get back on the practice field come spring. Yeah, so he just dropped that top four with Penn State being involved, and I would say Penn State's in a pretty prominent place on that list. He's looking forward to getting to campus. I'd say the Nittany Lions have done some – Phil Troutwin specifically has done some really good work with him, and it's a late – he's a late bloomer, but another guy with traits that the Penn State staff really likes and thinks they can develop. Now it'll be interesting when he gets to Michigan State and Ole Miss, what are the pitches from those schools, right, you know, in terms of NIL and, you know, what they could offer in terms of really playing time that maybe Penn State necessarily can't. But 
the fact of the matter is Penn State has put itself in a pretty good spot here. And you see a guy like Ono, yes, he would technically be a late-cycle flyer. I'm well aware of that, but he's still a four-star prospect. There aren't many better recruits out there right now. That's just the fact of the situation. He's he's an intriguing recruit. He's had the staff's eye for a while, and I think this could definitely come together for Penn State, depending on how it plays out. It seems like the view here is you're catching an an interesting offensive line prospect on the upswing, a guy who was the Maryland State champion in shot putt and discus, did plenty on his senior film to convince Power 5 schools and to convince our rankings council that he was worthy of a longer look, and now here he is. Uh, you know, trying to, cut, to sprint to the finish line with all these visits. Uh, as previously reported at Lines 24-7, he, he's going to be on campus next weekend. We'll talk about that weekend in just a moment with you, Tyler, before we wrap up the podcast. But he plans on finishing out uh, his travel itinerary down at Old Miss on the weekend of January 27th, leading up to the signing day, the classic one, uh, that first Wednesday in February. So uh, keep tabs on him. The other offensive lineman that we know it will be on board with Penn State, Javen Williams down in San Antonio, Texas this week for the Under Armour, not Under Armour, for the All-American Bowl, the Under Armour All-American game down in Orlando. Uh, but Javen Williams having that opportunity to finish out his career, validate that five-star status that 10, 24-7 sports uh, has anointed him with uh, pretty recently. And it sounds like he is one of those top performers on that offensive line group, a guy who will be joining uh, the roster here for the Nittany Lions in a matter of days. Yeah, so... Down in San Antonio, I would say the biggest thing with Williams is he played in a run-heavy offense at Wyoming. Missing. You know, a lot of power, power eye, you know, line up, run the ball down your throat. And there weren't a lot of instances where, you know, he would have to pull to the second level and things like that, right? That's been kind of the general feeling. So a lot of people down there were interested to see how he would do in that regard. And while he's kind of had to adjust to the level of competition, that kind of goes without saying. I mean, we're talking about Pennsylvania high school football versus some of the best players in high school football down there in San Antonio for the All-American Bowl. So that's kind of a given. But a bunch of positive reviews once he got comfortable with that level of competition. And you see the athleticism. You see his ability to pull to the second level, man. I mean, you watch some of this tape. My goodness. I mean, the things that he could do for a man that size. <laughs> he, lo- he looks like a jumbo fullback uh, roaming down he the field. It's that- really impressive. Yeah. yeah, He moves that fluidly. He's that athletic. And <laughs> – I think the Penn State staff, they're going to get their eyes on that tape now that the Rose Bowl's over and they can kind of focus on the future. And they're going to see that. And they're going to be like, holy crap, we got this kid coming to campus real soon? Man, let's get to work with him because he could be a guy really, really soon. So really excited to see what Williams does at Penn State. Been excited for a while, but I feel like me personally, I think maybe even more so after this weekend, San Antonio, because for him to go down there and establish himself as a top performer among some of the best players in the country – Kind of speaks volumes. I mean, you come go from Pennsylvania ball to that and still be able to hold your own. Bright future. It's very difficult to look good as an offensive lineman in those settings too, because it's so oh, much one on one work against elite defensive linemen who have the fast and, and you're you have you're working in space against guys with speed. Um, you're not working next to a guard. You don't have a tight end chipping next to you. So it's really tough to look good in that kind of a showcase setting. And Steve Wolfong, national recruiting uh, director here for Twenty Four Seven Sports, has a story up about Javen Williams, not just his personal goals, but wants to win a national championship. And he joins a, a growing list of Nittany Lions, whether they're going to be incoming 
or they're going to be sticking around from the 2020 team that really seem to be saying we're a national championship team moving forward. So uh, Javon Williams is going to add to that. He's going to play tackle to begin his career. So is Alex Birchmeyer. And then Anthony Donko going to be adding to the guard group. That's the plan for semester one, which begins for all three of those guys just this upcoming week as early enrollees. Let's lay out the landscape a little bit before we say goodbye, Tyler, because January – no more football games to cover, and there is a ton to sort through. We're going to see more guys like Fatoma Moba decide that the time is right for them to explore their options, put their name in, leave the Penn State roster. And, of course, we're going to see Penn State roster influx uh, from the transfer portal, from the recruiting trail, and looking a little bit long-term here as well in January with the junior day. Let's start with this weekend and then get to next weekend. Beginning yeah, so with the – yeah, transfers. Yeah, portal emphasis. Kind of like we have been on this podcast. I would say we've had – a nice little portal emphasis. So that's going to carry over into the weekend. So you're going to see guys getting all kinds of, you know, Sears, the Bowling Green guy, whose name, uh, Tyrone Broden. There we go. I don't know why it, it escaped me for a second after I spent like a half hour yesterday watching his tape. I, lo I, I love the stats so much. I forgot the name. <laughs> but so this weekend's going to be more portal focused, getting the transfers on campus. And then next weekend, you're going to have a junior day. Guys like Duke Watson running back from Georgia, who really, really likes Penn State. I've written on him a bunch. I think. <laughs> If there's a spot from this class when it's all said and done, I think he's going to pounce on that. I think he really likes the Nittany Lions that much at this point. And we got some offensive line from Texas coming up. It's going to be – I don't want to go out and say star-studded just yet because the list is still coming together, but I think Penn State's going to be starting off January with a pretty impressive group of 2024s in Happy Valley. I mean, it is helpful when you can probably throw that Rose Bowl champion moniker on your on your mail, I guess, emails or whatever you're saying. Now, graphics, um, I'm dating myself with with acting like they put things in envelopes much anymore. But the fact that you, know, you finished the season with win number 11, you did it on a grand stage, what was the most watched non-playoff game of the postseason in college football, and you did it really emphatically. It, it wasn't a game you messed around with much. Um, that's going to carry over. We, we always say don't read too much into one game, the result of one game, and I'm still sticking with that. But there's something to be said for showing up to a campus a couple weeks after they pick up a huge win in a setting like that. There's a palpable buzz around team facilities. They got that shiny new trophy. They're going to show you highlights from that matchup. There's a lot of ways that Penn State can make that work for them, and, and I fully anticipate that come next weekend, that junior day is going to be a pretty significant event. You mentioned some non-regional guys coming to campus, which is always yeah. big. You're trying to set the stage for official visits, but I think really, uh, there's I think that we're going to see a swell in that guest list from within the region, and I know that you'll be on top of it. Brian Doan's going to be contributing uh, leading up to next weekend. Just to emphasize, not this weekend, but next, next weekend, weekend is that junior day. So 2024 prospects really going to step into the spotlight. Uh, you want to follow along the site for that we'll follow up on, on a bit more of that on a podcast next week but this weekend is the transfer portal uh, we'll be all over it again um and and who knows i mean penn state if you have ambitions to be on campus in january this weekend is everything isn't it yeah i i think it is because you're kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty of filling out your roster for 2023 at this point and i, I know there's going to be a second wave of guys hitting the portal in the spring and you know just coming out of bowl season and there's still going to be opportunities to add for sure and like you touched on chop robinson earlier you know he didn't wind up at penn state until the summer and look what he was able to accomplish this past season so it's not the end all be all if you're on campus you know for sp for spring practices it's not the end all be all if you're not enrolled at penn state by the end of this month you know it's not the end of the world but it is paramount because the more time you get in the scheme, the better off you are, the more comfortable you are, 
the more time you get in the weight room with the strength and conditioning program, the more of a chance you have at being where the Penn State staff wants you to be come time to suit up for fall camp. That's just the yeah. facts of the situation. You know, the longer you're around, the better off you're going to be just from an experience and comfortability factor. So it's an important weekend. It definitely is. And I think we're going to have some more important weekends like that too. But this one, when it comes to the immediate outlook of next year's roster, very, very important considering some of the names we've talked about who could be making it to campus. I keep talk, circling back to Sears. I'd really, really keep an eye on him. I know the staff likes him. They need to replace P.J. Mustafer, and they feel that he's the guy who could do that. Yeah, and, and it's a spot that you're looking toward recruiting. Uh, you've got a guy that I really like in Tyreek Blanding, but he's got some filling out to do physically. I don't think it would be fair to assume he's going to show up from, from day one and be ready to burn red shirt, much less, you know, quote unquote, replace PJ Mustafer. So to this point, that's what your addition is at that position. Some work to be done there. Tyler, always appreciate you hopping on the podcast, providing some insight. It's a busy time of the year. We're back from the Rose Bowl. Uh, Going to do our best to support what you're doing. Um, and and, and <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, get it, back, <laughs> we'll get back at it uh, next week with you on another episode of the podcast. But of course, between now and then, folks can find you at lines247.com. Looking forward to being back, man. I'm sure we'll have a lot to cover on that one too. We always do. Take care, man. All right, Tyler Calvaruso, uh, Daniel Gallen making his way back from Southern California today. Mark Brennan and myself back here in Happy Valley. Thanks for following our coverage at the Rose Bowl throughout this past week. And Tyler Calvaruso, as I mentioned along the way, keeping you updated at lines247.com on the recruiting trail, uh, on the transfer portal. Brian Doan, of course, uh, with a fresh story. Steve Wolfong from San Antonio. All hands on deck all the time at lines247.com. A quick shout out to everyone who's been following this podcast, whether you hopped on board this season Season, or for several years you've been listening to our conversations here back-to-back uh, -back years where we uh, clear 1 million audio downloads really proud of that our YouTube uh, episodes are up 60% in views here in 2022 so as we begin 2023 just want to put out that word uh, really really it, we can't do it without our listeners without the viewers um, we do have that YouTube channel that we want to continue to build but uh, if you've just been listening to us on car rides and, and not even taking a peek at any single video really appreciate you too um, for everyone here at lines247.com that's going to do it for this episode we got a lot going on behind the scenes for our vip subscribers you can join now 30 percent off an annual subscription or one dollar for one month to take a test run of lines247.com we're pretty confident you'll like what you see stepping aside for now i'm tyler donahue but we'll be back with another episode of the lines 24 7 podcast very soon the chilling new original docuseries on paramount plus why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control-Alt-Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.